Welcome to the latest edition of Inside the Hashes Air It Out podcast. I'm your host, Juan Guarina. I'm joined in a room full of correspondents. I got Jerome Jones in production. I got Chris Thomas to my left, and I got Avery Collins to my right. What's up, guys? What do you do? You know, right before we were starting the podcast, we were just jumping around random topics just to see what we wanted to start off with. And then Avery brings out brings up the topic of Shazam. Uh, with with Shaquille O'Neal in it. No, Kazam. Kazam. Kazam? Wasn't it Shazam? Yeah. No, Shazam is a different thing. Kazam <laughs> is DC hero. Kazam is which girl is Jenny. Alright, well, so we got Avery bringing up Kazam with Shaquille O'Neal. And, you know, he's, he calls it a classic. And I, I see Chris and Jerome, like, kind of, like, shake their heads a little bit. Not a classic. Like, uh, what, why, man? Why is it a classic? Because nobody remembers that movie. <laughs> <laughs> it, 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 like, literally, it was so bad. It was a great movie. Or that it's the greatest movie of its time or anything like that. But it is a classic. Okay? okay no, no. Space watch. Jam is a classic. Like Mike is a classic. Kazam, no, nobody, nobody remembers that movie. What about Steel? I listen. I remember that movie, and plenty oh other people God. remember that movie. Kazam is a freaking classic. I don't care what you guys say. It was a part of my childhood. I watched it today if I had it. Well, like we know that like the main star of Kazam was called was of course that NBA superstar Shaquille O'Neal. Space Jam had. Michael Jordan, but then we saw like LeBron James flexing his acting chops when he did a train wreck with uh, Amy Schumer and Bill Hader. Let me ask you guys, all three of you guys, who's the better actor out of all three of them? LeBron James, Michael Jordan, or Shaquille O'Neal? Avery, I'm going with my I'm going with my man Shaq um, for three reasons. Number one. <laughs> Michael Jordan is horrible. He's not. He's not good. He's not a good actor. Just put it out there. Number two, Shaq was in his own movie where he was basically the star of the movie. He carried the movie. And number three, LeBron James's catalog just isn't. It's, it's not long enough. Number one, number two, he never was a main role in, in a movie. He was a supporting actor, so I can't give him any any, any credit just yet. Now you know we'll we'll see what's going on with the Space Jam movie. But as of right now, it goes to Shaquille O'Neal. I mean, I thought Michael Michael Jordan's portrayal of a baseball player was pretty convincing. Um, that's, Chris, yeah, that's what, what do you one. think, man? Okay. That's it. It's, all right, LeBron. Uh, Jordan's not really a good actor. Uh, Space Jam only what? worked because it was, because <laughs> it was whimsical. Um, Jordan really didn't do a lot of acting for it. Bill Murray stole the show when he came in the last 10 seconds. And Shaq is just a bad actor. He was terrible in Steel. He was terrible in Kazam. He was terrible also in Grown Ups, too. So. <laughs> he was in yeah, Grown Ups, so too? It's by <laughs> and his has been redeemed by all those crappy commercials that he makes with, like, The General and Icy Hot. No. Chris is a hater. Chris <laughs> is a hater. Shaq is a better actor. How do you want to say that LeBron is a better actor than Shaq when LeBron had like three scenes in the movie? Of course, you 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 you're probably because gonna be in those better three scenes. LeBron looks more natural. He looks more comfortable in, 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 in a movie setting. The entire movie. No, I'm not giving that credit. In his defense, LeBron plays LeBron in Trainwreck, so he's just technically just playing himself. I mean, Will Smith plays himself in every movie, and people still love him. 
Jerome, you're the tiebreaker, man. <laughs> I'm not. I don't. All right. So you asking the wrong guy. I'm more. I'm not big on movies myself, but. I would have to say, y'all gonna hate me for this. I'm gonna say Jordan, just because I, the, Fate Jam was the Ew. movie, and like Shaq and um still was terrible, and I don't remember. I, I was talking about this off off the air. I don't remember uh, Kazam that much. I, I watched it when I was young, so by default, I'm gonna give it to to Jordan, and I, I never seen anything with LeBron either, so. Uh, by default, it's You guys are horrible. You guys are horrible. <laughs> and I, of course, have no opinion. All right. <laughs> so, um, now, now that we got, like, the whole movie talk out of the way, let's focus on why we do this podcast in the first place. But before we do, we're going to run into The Rundown. The Rundown. All right, so to start off, Tuesday was a major news day in the NFL. To start off, former Bears tight end Zach Miller announced his retirement from pro football after nine years in the league. Miller retires after he suffered a gruesome dislocated knee injury in the third quarter against the New Orleans Saints in week eight of the 2017 regular season, where he tore a popliteal artery, which could have resulted in amputation. In an Instagram post, Miller bids farewell to Chicago fans saying, I would love more than anything to step on Soldier Field one last time, but I physically cannot give the game and our fans what they deserve. It was announced Tuesday that Oklahoma quarterback Kyler Murray will no longer pay a visit to the quarterback needy Washington Redskins. Per NFL.com's Grant Gordon, this is likely a sign that Murray or his representation is confident the reigning Heisman Trophy winner out of Oklahoma will have been drafted by the time Washington picks number 15 in the first round. Meanwhile, the Arizona Cardinals are nowhere near ready to make a pick at the top of the NFL draft. According to general manager Steve Kime, when asked why they haven't made up their mind yet, Kime put it simply, because we have time. There has been rumors that there is turmoil inside of the organization as to whether or not Kyler is considered their number one overall pick. The Patriots signed an old foe to their roster on Tuesday as former Broncos and Texans wide receiver Demarius Thomas signs a one-year, $6 million deal with New England. Thomas spent eight and a half years with the Broncos, winning Super Bowl 50 with them in 2016. He has since been traded to the Texans in 2018, released, and ran into legal issues by pleading to careless driving in February of 2019. And I... After setting April 15th as an unofficial deadline for a new contract, Seattle Seahawks quarterback Russell Wilson got his wish. Per Sports Illustrated, the Super Bowl 48 champion signed a four-year, $140 million contract extension with with $107 million of it in total guarantees with a $65 million signing bonus, all the most in NFL history. Wilson steals the title of the highest paid player away from the Packer from Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers, who signed a four year, hundred thirty four million extension in twenty eighteen. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was our rundown. Now before we jump into today's topics today, I wanna ask you guys quickly about that last that last reference. I saw on on Twitter, Chris, you pointed this out of why everyone keeps questioning whether or not Russell Wilson is the top five quarterback in the NFL and whether or not he deserves his money. So I'm going to ask you all, you guys point blank, starting with Chris. Does Russell Wilson deserve to be the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL, Chris? 
Um, does he deserve to be the highest paid quarterback? No, but is he a top five quarterback that definitely needs to obviously be seeing the money? Absolutely. I can't think of five quarterbacks off the top of my head that has had more consistency in terms of production, um, willing a team to the playoffs like he did last year, and not to mention just outright health. Because when you look at the quarterbacks, you look at Aaron Rodgers, uh, Tom Brady slowing down, and up a bunch of plethora of other guys who have dealt with injuries. Russell Wilson hasn't missed a start in his entire NFL career. He takes care of himself. He takes care of the football. And not to mention, he's one of the better four-quarter quarterbacks in all of football. He's big-time money in the fourth quarter. So I can't think of any other quarterback in the NFL right now at his age with the resume and the accolades that he has that deserves that money more than Russell Wilson has of right now. All right, Avery, I want to ask you. Wilson, a multi-time pro bowler, Super Bowl champion, hasn't been an MVP yet, hasn't been named as a first-team all-pro yet. Does he deserve this money? Uh, I think the obvious answer is yes. Um, I agree with Chris. I can't think of, you know, five guys, you know, that have been better than him the last, I would say, probably four seasons. I mean, the guy has been consistent since he came into the league. You know, he's a, he's the backbone of that organization as, as of right now. And he got Brady, Rodgers, and Breeze, like Chris said. Other than that, it's kind of like, I mean, you can make a case for some other people, but just because you can make a case for him doesn't mean that it's, you know, that is the case or that's the end all to be all. I think, um, you know, Russell is definitely without question, in my, in my opinion, a top five quarterback. And I just, as far as, you know, um, the question is, should he be the highest paid quarterback? I think the answer to that is yes as well. And the reason I say that is because Tom Brady's on the last legs of his career. You're not going to give him a max deal or, or an extremely lengthy uh, extension. Same thing with Aaron Rodgers um, and Drew Brees. And those are the only guys in the league, in my opinion, that are worthy of any more money than him at this moment in time. Simply uh, of just coming from a, an age standpoint. Like, he's one of the younger quarterbacks in the league, um, yet he's still a vet. Um, and even with the younger guys coming up, like, you know, Patrick Mahomes or Jared Goff or Carson Wentz, again, it's still time to, you know, uh, figure these guys out. Russell has been putting it on the paper. Like, I mean, the dude, like you said, he's a Super Bowl champion. Like uh, like uh, Chris said, he, he willed his team to the playoff last year. I mean, that team was – I did not expect him to make the playoffs, but Russell was playing out of his mind. So, um, and if you're not going to protect him – uh, you know, physically, you might you better protect him, protect his pocket. So, um, yeah, I think he, he deserves every every single cent. With that being said, uh, just to make a few acknowledgments, Wilson has not had a losing season since he's entered the league. The worst he's done is nine and seven back in two thousand and seventeen. But he has not won uh, an NFL MVP award yet. He hasn't been named the first team All Pro yet. And he does play for a relatively small market in Seattle. Nevertheless, money money well spent by the Seahawks. Now we're going to be jumping into our first topic of the day just to wrap up our, our multi-series uh, discussion of team needs. Today we had the AFC East and the AFC West. And of course, in the East, we have the Jets, Patriots, Bills, and Dolphins, while in the West... We have the Broncos, Raiders, Chargers, and Chiefs. So, uh, Avery, I'm going to start off with you in the AFC West. Run me down from the Chiefs and then go on from there. All right. Well, if we're talking about the Chiefs first, 
I think their biggest need, in my opinion right now, um, is, is on defense. I think, obviously, we know that offensively these guys are set, right? Uh, Tariq Hill, uh, Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, I mean, you name it. Like, they're, they're stacked. So, I think they're good on the offensive side of the ball. I mean, I would like to see them get a, um, you know, a, another premier running back possibly, but I, I think because of the way that they're kind of leading – uh, on Patrick Mahomes and his arm and his playmaking ability, I don't think it's going to be that much of a, uh, a, a hamper to them. So I think defensively is where they need to go. And I think um, losing Eric Berry, I think, um, for me, uh, is a big deal. Like, uh, the guy was just uh, an extreme pro. Um, he, was a, he, was, he was like the, 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 the heartbeat of that team. He was, he was just somebody who was like you – Everybody was rooting for him, whether you played with him, whether you were an opponent, whether you were just a fan, you were rooting for Eric Berry. Um, his story in general, his heart, his, his play on the field. Um, and I, I just think that that's the uh, one area that they need. And in addition to, I do, I do believe that they um, um, do need some help on the, on the front seven. Like, I, I think they need to generate more pass rush, uh, though they were one of the top teams in the league, you know, as far as generating sacks. But... I still think they just need, you know, a little bit more help. But I think mainly the help is, 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 is at that safety position. Um, the Broncos, they need a receiver. Uh, Demarius Thomas was considered, he was considered the number one. He's no longer there. Um, and Emmanuel Sanders is not, he's not a number one. Let's just call it what it is. Um, so I think they need a receiver. That's going to help. Um, you know, I think them bringing in Flacco was a, was a good move just to get some veteran stability at the position. Um, I don't think he is obviously the end-all to be-all, um, but I do think they need a receiver, a dynamic receiver that's going to um, cause teams to be, you know, fearful. Um, they don't have that right now. So let's go with the, the Chargers. This one is probably the toughest one because they're actually a pretty complete team. Um, defensively, we saw what uh, just the addition of Derwin James did for them. Uh, took them to the next level, made them play off uh, in Super Bowl contenders. Um, I think that you know, offensively, right now, um, they're pretty, they're pretty good, they're pretty well off. So, if I was to say there was a weak, a weak link, I mean, I would probably have to say, hmm. I mean, well, one, you gotta, you gotta. Philip Rivers is getting older, so you want to make sure you, you, you take care of that. Um, but I, I think, really, oh, man, that's, this is really, it's really tough. I, I, I would probably say corner then, um, if, if anything, just to go um, on the other side of Hayward just to, you know, solidify the back end even that much more. But, again, it's not like they were out here just, you know, letting up extreme amounts of touchdowns or anything like that. Their defense played very well last year, so... Uh, that's probably, like I said, the toughest team. The Raiders, um, another team where it's kind of like, pick your, just pick. They need help everywhere. Um, obviously, they need help at pass rush. We're, we're not even going to get into that uh, conversation again, but um, I'm just going to leave that as what it is. You take your pick where they need help and, and plug somebody in. All right. And uh, just just real quick, like uh, just a real quick take. Who do you think is going to take the division if these improvements are met? Man, I'm gonna go. With, uh, you know what? I'm gonna go with. Ooh, that's that's tough. It's obviously between the Chiefs and the Chargers, um, but I, I think I'm gonna go with. 
I think I'm going to go with the Chargers. I think I'm going to go with the Chargers because, again, I still have questions about the Chiefs' defense. I mean, they, like I said, they, they were letting up a lot of points last year, and I mean, obviously they were scoring at a higher clip than, you know, most teams in the league, but they were also letting up a lot of points. The defense kind of played a lot better toward the end of the year, but like I said, just losing that heart and soul uh, in Eric Berry, I think is going to uh, play a factor, and I think that the Chargers, uh, you know, Darren James coming through his second year, everybody's going to be, it's going to be a situation where everybody's going to be flowing more so together um, than they were even, you know, this past season. So, um, and I think that it's going to be a situation where they can, um, they can, they can take the reins and, and win that division. Though I do still think the Chiefs are uh, very dangerous. All right. Well, the AFC with the AFC West covered seven out of eight divisions done. Last division to cover for this series, the AFC West, home of my New York Jets, and with Chris being the Jet hater that I know he is. <laughs> Bro, Chris, take it away. Okay. To start, let's start off with the Miami Dolphins. Um, well, Brian Flores, their former linebackers coach for the New England Patriots, obviously defense is going to be a top priority for them. Um, as far as needs go, they're just about need everything. Um, they have been they've been the only team throughout the past, um, I believe, like eight seasons. They the record uh, scheduled between either six and ten or ten and six. That's a that's a new level of mediocrity that I've yet to see in the NFL and throughout the entire time span. Uh, I think, obviously, the first one that you have to probably address is the quarterback situation. Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, probably one of the greatest journeyman quarterbacks of all time, but he's not going to be the guy going forward. And for a new head coach and general manager, he's not a guy that you're going to hang your head on going forward, obviously, one, because of age, and two, you've seen throughout uh, his entire career when he was at Buffalo, last year you saw in Tampa Bay, when he was with the Jets. He's just not a guy that you can depend upon for more for an entire season. So obviously they have to get quarterback situation uh, patent and locked down. But however, in this draft, you it, at the draft slot that they're in, it's not really a good spot for them to reach out a quarterback. You probably want to wait until like next year to do it when the quarterback crew quarterback draft class is probably better. Um, Obviously, you probably go best player available, especially on defense. If defense is going to be your calling card, uh, then you draft the best player available to help make a Fitzpatrick on the back end. As far as Buffalo goes, offense, offense, and more offense. You draft Josh Allen. You trade it up to get Josh Allen. Uh, he's going to be your quarterback going forward. You're going to need some more offensive lines to protect him so he's not running for his life every single play. Um, and more importantly, you're probably going to need a num legitimate number one wide receiver. Charles Clay is a solid tight end, but he can't stay healthy. LaShawn McCoy is getting up there in age. And you get another older running back in Frank Gore, and you sign Cole Beasley, who is a slot receiver at best. So you're going to need that guy, probably like a DK Metcalf or, or, or an A.J. Brown, somebody in this draft that is has number one wide receiver qualities and can build that rapport with um, Josh Allen going forward. Our defense is going to be fine. You still have Sean McDermott there. Um, and obviously you see um, defense is Sean McDermott's calling card even back to his days when he got the uh, promotion, unfortunately, because of Jim Johnson's passing. 
as far as the Jets go, let's get one thing straight. I am not a Jets hater. I'm just <laughs> not a fan of Sam Darnold. <laughs> that being said, I love. I like their offseason that they had. Uh, I like C.J. Mosley. I Leonard Williams is a is a is a is wreaking havoc in the front seven. Jamal Adams is probably one of my favorite young safeties. So you really don't need to do much on defense, except just so just go out and play ball. As far as offense goes, Adam Gase is probably one of the more better quarterback whispers in all of football, especially over the past few years with his work with Ryan Tannehill. Um, the one thing that they definitely need is a legitimate number one wide receiver for um, Sam Donald to throw to. All you have is right now is a bunch of number twos. Uh, Quincy Inua, uh Robbie Anderson, those are not number one wide receivers. Um, and obviously you need somebody to help uh, alleviate the pressure off Le'Veon Bell as well. So I think their needs are a lot more less prevalent for um, everybody else in their division because they're slowly building their identity on what they want to do. They are going to have they're going to play they're going to have a top ten defense, uh, obviously with, led by Adams, Williams, Mosley, and Sam Donald is hopefully going to make that jump the year the year two jump with Le'Veon um, and with continuity with the offensive line and the receivers that they're going to bring in. Last but not least, the evil, the evil empire of New England Patriots. Uh, Gronk retiring um, this abruptly kind of kind of put them in a tight spot. Um, obviously, you're going to have the last pick of the, the first round, so obviously you're going to need another tight end to um, try to replace the impact that Gronk left. You're still going to need to, in the back of your mind, you're still going to need to think about getting a quarterback of the future. I don't care about how... Um, how long Tom Brady thinks he can play Father Time is still still undefeated no matter what the circumstances is so Brady's going to probably have another year or two left before they need to find another heir apparent which is probably why uh, Belichick was so reluctant to trade Jimmy Garoppolo to begin with for San Fran because the Patriots always know the perfect time when to move on from player to player Um, as far as other needs outside of tight end and wide uh, tight end and quarterback there's really not enough each. Probably another offensive lineman because for two straight years you let Nate Solder go. He went to the, he got paid against he went to get paid with the New York Giants. You let Trent Brown go. He got the highest paid free agent uh, offensive line contract with the Oakland Raiders. So you're probably going to need another blindside protector for Tom Brady. Otherwise, he's not going to make it through throughout the remainder of the 2019-2020 season. So yeah, those are my um, breakdowns. Is it fair to say that we can expect uh, the Patriots to walk away with another division title? Listen, um, every single year I try to get my hopes up uh, that one of these younger teams, the younger teams, more well-rounded teams like Jacksonville two years ago, like the Chiefs last year with their explosive offense, will be enough to you know dethrone New England throughout the entire AFC, but... As far as the division goes, smart money, until proven otherwise, never bets against Tom Brady. I like what the Jets are doing. Out of all the three teams in the AFC East, they're probably the closest because of what they were able to do this offseason. They have the quarterback guru to help Sam Darnold get where he needs to be, and they have probably one of the better playmakers throughout the entire offensive side of the ball in Le'Veon Bell. However, until I see that on the field and translate that to wins, it's safe to say that the Patriots are still going to win the AFC East. Very similar to the situation with Cleveland. It all looks good on paper, but until it was, we see something on the field, nothing's done. That will conclude our team needs 
segment of the Air It Out podcast. We it's kind of funny that we have to kind of like rush through it before the draft. Um, but uh, speaking of the draft, you know we've seen a lot of like stories come out over the past couple of years that have made draft prospects drop. We saw it with Laramie Tunsil, we saw it with Johnny Manziel, Joe Mixon, and. Funny enough, not not Cam Newton after he stole that laptop, or James Winston when he stole crab legs. But can social media get someone in trouble? And of course, for for, for this segment, I'm talking about the number one overall prospect in the NFL draft across numerous draft boards, uh, Ohio State defensive end Nick Bosa. Now, last week it was reported that Bosa had cleaned his Twitter account out of many posts that uh, would be considered subjectively negative within the public eye. We had posts that were shown to support Donald Trump and his policies. We saw uh, ones calling the film Black Panther and the singer Beyonce overrated. And then there was all the hate against former 49ers quarterback Colin Kaepernick. And I wrote a, I wrote an article about this for... Uh, for inside the hashes, uh, you can check it out later after the podcast. But the main point I wanted to get across in that was that um, social media is just such a prevalent thing now, especially when it comes to evaluating players. What you say, what you do, and what you post will be seen by all 32 teams and will probably um, affect how you're viewed. When we saw that video of uh, Laramie Tunsil smoking a bong out of a gas mask, he went from being a top five pick to number 13 for the Miami Dolphins. So clearly social media is a powerful influence. And yet, when we discovered that uh, UCLA quarterback Josh Rosen was an active social media contributor, but on, on much more of the liberal side of the spectrum, he went from being a top five pick to a top 10 pick with the Arizona Cardinals. So, I'm gonna start with Chris on this one. Should should uh, Bosa's tweets really matter in terms of the in terms of his draft status and where he would go? Because main, the main reason he did it was because he was afraid that if he went to San Francisco, he would be viewed as a liability. He's still the number one prospect on throughout most people's draft boards. Uh, should it have an effect on him? Absolutely, because it's a character issue. If you're gonna go into uh, let's just say like a 49ers locker room where you have Richard Sherman and just any locker room in general because most of the locker rooms in the NFL are predominantly African-American and you've said a lot of these egregious comments uh, about Black Panther, about Beyonce, about uh, what Colin Kaepernick did. Um, it's obviously not going to fare well with you as a young player in this league, especially when a team is going to take you that high to be one of the one of the future leaders of that team. Um, but as far as um, affecting his draft style, I still think he's either going to go one or two, depending on what Arizona does. Um, and we've spoken on it uh, at nausea, me and Avery, um, for a while now about the NFL is not um, the NFL is not a league that uh, cracks down on um, trying to be um, this moral compass. The bottom line is about winning football games. Unfortunately, um, if you're the 49ers who hasn't been in the playoffs since the last time Colin Kaepernick was um, the starting quarterback there and Jim Harbaugh was there, you're not really going to care much about uh, Bosa's tweet. You're just still going to care about uh, what's he going to do for me on the field on Sunday. Is he going to give me pressures on the quarterback? 
Is it going to help Solomon Thomas and Eric Armstead in the front seven? Uh, is he going to be able to um, control the one and two gaps and to open up for Quan Alexander to get that tackle on third and one? The reality is that the NFL, it's, it's slowly moving on to a bottom line league, and it's kind of sad to see. But in the end, um, it, it's a business, and the business is about winning. All right, Avery, what about your thoughts, man? Uh, I agree with Chris. Um, again, we got to stop holding the NFL to some standards of morality. They, they really don't care. It's about winning. It's about dollars and cents. That's it. That's, that's, that's their MO. Each team is about winning. Uh, the league itself is about dollars and cents. That's really what we have to uh, start start remembering. Um as far as, you know, with, with Nick, I mean, obviously, you know, I don't agree with the things that he said. Uh, it's disappointing and, and different things like that. But with that being said, like, one of the things I cannot stand that athletes do, I cannot stand that PR people tell people, tell these athletes to do. Um, and one of the things I don't like that we as fans do is get those players to delete the tweet. I can't stand that. That annoys the crap out of me. Why? Because... For me, for me, it's, it's, a, it's a couple of things. One, when you delete, like if you delete, when you tweeted that, that's how you felt. Let's just be real. That's how you felt. You didn't, you weren't trolling. That's how you felt. You knew what the ramifications could possibly be. That's number one. Um, and number two, it's an opportunity for growth. When you delete the tweets, it's like, you're like, oh, no, let's just try to act like that didn't happen. That's what that signifies to me, as opposed to let's leave this out there. And show, let me show y'all the transformation. Let me show y'all the character uh, and morality changes that, I, 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 that I'm able, capable, and willing to make. But when you delete them, what you're trying to say is like, all right, you know, I know I'm under my microscope now. So what I'll do is delete them, act like they never happened, and I'll just be quiet. And that's the worst kind of, it, I don't want to take it there, but I mean, we'll just, we'll just take it there for a second. That's the worst kind of racist. The one that doesn't call you, uh, something profound or derogatory, the one who thinks it. That's the worst kind, right? Those are the type of those are the type of people that you got to worry about because now they're doing it in secret. So everything that they do is backhanded, underhanded, and conniving and and intended to you know harm or or, or or whatever, as opposed to you know the person who's just out there saying it's like oh okay well I know how you feel. And I can respect you more because I know how you feel and you're not afraid to say how you feel. But when you delete it, it's like, ah, let's act like that didn't happen anymore, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so I don't like that. I can't stand it when they delete tweets. Like, no, own that. Own it, grow from it. It's just that simple. Like, that's how I feel. Um, And as an NFL owner or or whatever, like, I I would look at it that way. Like, you know what? Let's bring this guy. This is a chance for us to show that we're not just about winning. We're about to, we're, we're about uh, 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 bringing one, having quality players and quality uh, quality character of players and men, um, and building quality character characters and players and men. Because at the end of the day, um, they do these whole tests at the draft, talking about you know, and there's always this thing they just they, they label people with, oh, they've got a character issue. Well. Y'all clearly don't care about character issues. Otherwise, Joe Mixon wouldn't have got drafted. Otherwise, James Winston wouldn't have got drafted. Otherwise, half the dudes in the league wouldn't have got drafted. So stop saying, oh, this guy has a character issue and that could be a problem. Y'all don't care about that. So until y'all show that y'all care about that, then to me, like, all of that extra stuff is just, 
just just nonsense. So that's just how I feel about it. But like I said, you know, he's going to get drafted. He, he's uh, yeah, his reduction on the field speaks for itself. So it is what it is. All right, you drone got some. I'm curious between you two guys um, because not only that this is coming out now, but before even the the draft season kind of started. Um, Bosa sat out most of the year after his injury when he could have came back to Ohio State and um, played for the team. And, you know, I know uh, Chris know all about this, being an Ohio State fan. Um, do you think with that and a combination of this, it hurts him even more? Or you think that, you know, that part of it doesn't really matter? Um, I think the worst thing about um, Bosa's character that I really have an issue with is – is that he said all these things and all this stuff on his tweets, and he just immediately stopped because, oh, I might end up in San Fran. That's why I stopped. So not only that you stop because of what your potential destination is going to be, but because it shows lack of conviction. And that's, to me, like one of the right. worst traits that I really see as a man. It's like if you stand behind, it doesn't matter like what you do, own up to it, apologize, and just move on. Uh, we didn't hear an apology from him. You showed that you lack conviction or any like validity behind your statements at all. You're you're worried about oh, where you're going to end up at, and you're afraid about your comments biting you on the behind um, when you get there. But it's the damage is already done. Um, as far as him sitting out, um, I don't really think that's really going to be that much of an issue at all because he was still projected to be a top five pick at the very worst even before he got injured and sat out after the TCU game. Um, he preserved his body so that way he'll be ready for the draft. And a lot of people um, a lot of people also took that um, took that same um, leeway. Uh, you gotta think about Leonard Fournette, um, years past, um, and then a bunch of other guys before him who who opted like after getting injured, like, you know, I'm just gonna prepare for the draft. I'm not gonna let uh, a potential injury like a Jalen, like a Jalen Smith, uh, who had a really gruesome injury. He still ended up in the second round, but it still took him longer to get into the the peak performer that he was before injury. Um, but no, I don't think um, him sitting out uh, is gonna affect his draft at all. And in the end, um, if the 49ers or the Cardinals or anybody wants him, they're not really gonna. Um, put my, that much thought into it they're just going to take him it is a controversial topic as it is right now stirring a lot of hot button issues but uh, but we'll have more on the story as it develops for now we're just going to move on to our final subject of the podcast which is of course uh, the NFL schedule now the official schedule will not be released until 8 o'clock Eastern Standard Time here uh, on NFL Network, but we do have right now uh, the schedule for the international games for the NFL. We have four games in London, one in Mexico, and I think I brought this up uh, in a couple podcasts ago. The San Francisco 49ers having one in China in 2020 being a possibility. But uh, for now, we'll just focus on the five international games that we have slated. For the 2019 season, that includes in uh, October, the Bears versus the Raiders in London. We have the uh, the Panthers against the Buccaneers, also in London. The Bengals against the Rams in London. 
the Texans against the Jaguars, also in London, and the Chiefs versus the Chargers in Mexico City. Um, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I'm looking at these matchups. I can pick out one, maybe two of them that look enticing to me. Um, not really getting a, not really feeling a vibe from them, but uh, Chris, I want to start off with you. Which game are you? Which of the international series games are you looking forward to seeing? Um, obviously, probably the first one that pops up the uh, the Khalil Mack uh, revenge game that has been coined the Khalil Mack revenge game between the Bears and the Raiders. Um, we're going to see that if in year two, John Gruden and his young group of Gruden grinders. Uh, with Antonio Brown, with um, with Derek Carr, and hopefully his new look uh, defense with his first um, three first-round picks and two second-round picks is able to go to London and figure out figure out if they're just as capable of scoring on probably one of the probably the best defense in all of football with the Keem Hicks, Khalil Mack, Leonard Floyd, Roquan Smith, Eddie Jackson, just. It's the monsters in the midway defense is back, and it's really going to be a good test that if their defense is going to travel well, especially with the departure of Vic Fangio, and to see if Mitch Trubisky third year is able to take that uh, quantum leap that uh, his counterparts, that Patrick Mahomes and even some cases of Deshaun Watson took uh, in his rookie year and Mahomes' second year, first year starting. If Mitch is ready to take that next step to not only make the Bears NFC North champs again, but a possible Super Bowl contender. All right, Avery, what game are you looking forward to, man? Out of the five we just listed, the game I'm looking forward to is uh, Chiefs, Chiefs and Chargers, man. I mean, uh, we didn't get to see the game in Mexico last year due to field conditions, so I think it's going to be an even more amped atmosphere because uh, I believe that uh, the fans down there really do want to see. Uh, NFL football. Um, in addition, it's a division game um, where, I mean, it, it, it'll probably end up having some uh, major playoff uh, seeding impl- implications. Um, so I, I'm very curious to see how that's going to go. Um, I, I think it's going to be a, a pretty good game. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to tune in for that one. I would say I have to agree with Avery on that one. The Chiefs and Chargers game will be the most interesting one to me, especially because, first of all, we didn't see a Mexico game last year due to poor field conditions, uh, according to a statement made by the owners of the stadium. And second, these are two divisional uh, foes that will fight for the for the ASC West crowd, as Avery talked about either one of them having a good chance of taking it. Um but, you know, as we were talking about this, it kind of got me thinking, with the 49ers slated to try to play a game in China in 2020, what, where, where else should the NFL extend their market, extend their reach? Like, what, if you have to, like, pick a matchup to put in any city around the world, where would you want to put it? And uh, I'll start with Avery on that. Oh, man, a couple places, actually, man. Um, so number one, I would I would say Australia, man. I would I, I think that that would be huge in Australia. Um, you know, huge rugby lovers, different things like that. So I think uh, bringing some NFL football to rugby would be uh, fantastic. Um, number two, Africa. I mean, come on, like that would be insane. Like uh, we saw how we saw how the uh, the, the World Cup was. 
um, and and how the fans were. Oh my goodness! I mean, it was it was insane. It was uh, you talk about a, a raucous crowd. I mean, those horns they were blowing. Um, you talk about uh, you know just just good weather, good people, good time, good vibes. I think it'll be uh, especially when we're talking about a, a league that is. Um, majority African-American it gives them a chance to if they haven't already um, you know go and, and visit essentially the what, what we call the motherland so uh, those are the those are the top two places that I have uh, in, in mind right now well Avery took my answer um, I was definitely going to be say Australia because obviously you had the European Football League so they're probably going to hit like every single part of like Europe and London and potentially China. So, like, why not uh, have a game down under? Um, another one was good. Um, was the Africa's a good pick? So, um, why not have a game in Russia? You know, uh, football to me is a cold weather game. Uh, can you imagine like a like a late like an early December matchup in Russia between like two snow driven teams like like a Chicago like an NFC North matchup like the Packers and Bears in in Russia in the snow. Aaron Rodgers monsters in the midway. Like, like to me, that would be exciting to see. Um, like two snow-driven teams, like the Patriots, like the Bears, or the Packers, or some sort, uh, battling out in Russia in the cold in, in the frozen tundra. That that'd be to me uh, an exciting matchup to see, because I really haven't enjoyed. Because the last time, like I really like enjoyed like a, a football game in terms of climate-wise, was um, that Eagles-Lions game that um, happened like six years ago. That that was a fun game. Um, Sean McCoy got a jersey in the Hall of Fame after that game after running all in the snow and right after that game me and my roommates and like everybody else like on our floor in college like all went outside to go play uh, football like in the in that deep snow right after that so I think football is meant to be playing in the snow so I think maybe a game in Russia probably potentially in December would uh, definitely be a fun time I, I like all most of your guys' options with Russia with Australia uh, even the Af- even the Africa pick was a good one too if I can interject my pick here, I think we, I think like the NFL would be would do well to extend its Latino audience and its Latino reach. With the fact that so many Latinos are entering the country, uh, the population ever increasing um, over the last couple of years, I think we have to, they have to start appealing to Latino markets. And for me, a great starting point would be, ironically, in. A country that doesn't even speak Spanish, it speaks Portuguese. I'm talking about Brazil. Mm-hmm. Because Brazil is one of the biggest soccer capitals of the world. I mean, you can name at least 10 different legends for Brazil's national team that have played there, man. Like, soccer is got there. I, I believe that if you can just introduce football there, down there, the amount of passion that these guys have for soccer can translate to the pigskin. It can translate... Not to kicking the ball, but to throwing it. And it'll do wonders uh, attracting attention. There is NFL interest in Latin America. I've seen it firsthand. And if you bring it to the, the one country who, who dominates one of, the most, one of the most influential sports in the world, it will take off and it will spread. And in terms of teams going down there, it's a hot weather, it's a hot weather location. It's jungle, the Amazon. It's humid and hot and raining all the time. So my best guess would it have it would have to be of two Florida teams that will go down there. And since this is near the jungle, what better two teams to go than two teams that have animals in their names? Of course, I'm talking about the Miami Dolphins 
and the Jacksonville Jaguars, both traveling down there and facing off the capital of, of Brazil. Here's a question for you guys. If the NFL ends up um, going, you know, obviously expanding to one of these different countries and uh, potentially ends up getting, you know, there's talk about the Jaguars going to London, do they remain the NFL or what do you, what would you call it? IFL, the WFL, like what would you call the league at that point? NFL, still, right? Because we have Major League Baseball traveling to Canada with a couple teams up there. It's still Major League. Yeah, same thing with uh, basketball. They got Toronto, so. Yeah, and that's the NBA, National Basketball. Come on, Toronto's like, come on. We're talking about it. They're right next door here. <laughs> I'm talking about it. Well, the NBA also has games over in London, Mexico City, so. And plus, you see the amount of outreach that the NBA has in China. Like when Kobe went there or the uniform alterations with the Chinese letters on it, you know the NBA has done a great job expanding the international reach and the international market. So yeah, I think it's about time the NFL started to That's what I'm saying. I'm talking about it. they're playing games out there and there's a team in London and they started traveling to Australia and yada, yada, yada. What would you call that team? Like, what would you call that league? The NFL? <laughs> yeah, the NFL. It doesn't change. Uh, <laughs> the licensing Boo. just will allow it. I don't think it would allow it. Boo. I mean, if majority of your teams are in the national, like in in America, it's still the National Football League. I mean, if you have like one or two Boo. teams that go overseas, it's still the <laughs> National Football League. Want to be called the <laughs> IFL? You gotta disperse like Boo. seven more teams across the globe just to have like a general international consensus. Yeah, not to mention the scheduling and the travel dates. It's probably just too much. No, exactly. And not only that, like, players would just get so tired with the time zone differences and culture shock. No one would want to play internationally because it would just be too confusing. Hey, yeah, they already complained about the Thursday night games. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not talking about constantly going out there. I'm just talking about if, if every to a point where, like, three games a year are, you know, outside the country and... Um, a team like Jacksonville does move to London. So let's say there's a Mexico game a year. There's a, a game in Australia uh, and then a game like, you know, in Brazil or something like that. You know what I'm saying? And then there's a team in London. That's the International Football League. That's the World Football League there for you guys. Boom. But that, but that, you can make the same case for the NBA and the and the MLB because no, they have no, they have teams in Canada. They have teams in Canada. Montreal is not that far. It's not. It's not that close to the border. So would you call it the international the international uh, major league baseball? Would you call it international basketball association? No, it's still the NBA. Absolutely the, not. Because of the fact, again, you're missing the factors. You're missing the factors here. Number one, Toronto is right next door. It's not really that much international. That's number one. Number two, we're talking about if there's multiple games played in other countries. That's not happening in the NBA. That's not happening in the MLB right now. That is happening in the NFL, particularly in London and Mexico. What I'm saying is if they add another country, possibly two, then what? Now it's just like, hey. WFL, World Football League. You heard it here first, folks. Avery, I'm about to make you edit these podcasts. <laughs> 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 I 
Wait too long. <laughs> Before we end the podcast, I do have an announcement to make. I just got my work schedule from my other job released today. And I'm happy to announce that I will be attending Inside the Hashes live draft party. Yeah! Woo! Let's go. All right. Uh, we'll talk about the details off camera, but for now, let's just let's just conclude our, our show for today. We're over an hour into recording anyway. So, <laughs> on behalf of Chris Thomas, Avery Collins, and Mr. Jerome Jones, I'm Juan Guarín. This was the Air Dot Podcast provided by Inside the Hashes. Remember, you can check us out on Instagram at Inside the Hashes. Yeah, on Twitter at Inside Hashes. And our website, InsideTheHashes.com. See you later, guys. Till next week.